The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now, your hosts, Jess Navarez, Aisha Morrison, Kelsey Charles, and Jane Slater. Welcome into Girls Talk, Boys Talk. I am your host, Jane Slater of the NFL Network, joined by Aisha Morrison. And, of course, we've got Jess Navarez, and we've got Kelsey Charles joining us remotely. Uh, ladies, let's get right into it. News of the day, Dak Prescott. Here's how it all went down last night. Thought I jammed it. I mean, I've uh, hit my hand on helmets or bodies uh, a lot in my career um, and never really had anything, maybe a jammed finger here, and I actually thought that's what it was. Just the next play, realized I couldn't grip the ball, let the sideline know. Um, and then when I got off, yeah, I told the trainers the same thing. I was just like, I can't grip. I feel like if you yank it, I'll be okay. And no, came in, got x-rays, and things are different. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was tough. Veteran defense there. Um, Made it tough on us. We didn't help ourselves with penalties, um, just bad timing. Uh, just didn't play clean all together. And when you, you put all those things together, you, you get a three-point game as we just put out. <clears throat> yeah, I'll be there to support him. I'll be there to support this whole team and coaching staff and everybody, uh, every step through it. Um, and, and for Coop, just continue to prepare, continue to approach the way that he's done. Uh, I mean, for five, what, six years now. Uh, so, I mean, Going back to his rookie year, I mean, Coop's always been a guy that I've turned to, um, whether it be the scheme or whether it just be for help. And I'll, now I'll be able to, to help him in these uh, next several weeks and uh, just just hopefully get the best out of him and the best out of the team. All right, so let's break it down. Uh, it was so ugly. It was even uglier if you were there for the postgame, ladies. Uh, Jerry Jones typically waits in the owner's box before he comes down into the locker room. Mm -hmm. And he walked towards us, and, you know, I've seen him disappointed. Uh, Rams lost playoffs on the road, 49ers uh, playoff loss last year. I don't think that any of us realized, though, that the thing that was upsetting him, obviously, was the severity of Dak Prescott. So he, most of the players typically come through. We see Ezekiel Elliott, we see CeeDee Lamb, and we're asking questions, where are the rest of the players? They're not walking through the, you know, the tunnel to the locker room the way they normally do. Sounds like they went in through the back. I've been meaning to ask people about that. I thought that was interesting. Uh, so Jerry then comes out, and Chris Beam, who works here, <laughs> tells Cowboys, informing me that my face said it all. <laughs> when Jerry said that we're going to be without Dak for a few weeks, I was absolutely shocked because I think we all saw it happen, right? He yeah. sort of gets his, his hand slapped away, and it felt very much like – I cover the Saints, too. It felt very much like the UCL injury to Drew Brees, which mm -hmm. had him out for five weeks. Of course, there they had Teddy Bridgewater. I think they went 5-0 and as a result of that. Not the situation here in Dallas. They're saying it's going to be about six to eight weeks. We just had Mike McCarthy doing the presser. He said he didn't have an update, but that surgery happened this afternoon. Talked to Dak in the locker room after. Dak could have gone and gotten surgery last night. As he described it, that's how he's wired. But they're putting uh, a – it's going to be a pen and a plate in that right thumb to stabilize it. Uh, not jammed, pretty significant injury, and a clean break. All right, so that's the news and notes of the day as it relates to Dak Prescott. Uh, let's get right into it. Aisha, your immediate reaction, because, again, I know you weren't in the locker room. 
where were you when you got the news update about the severity of that? Because as I said, as I'm standing there with Jerry, even I'm shocked by it. I think, I believe I, I was, I went to the game. Yeah. <laughs> and I was walking down, I was walking down uh, the stairs and I saw, you know, something flash on Twitter about it. And I was just like, y'all tripping, ain't never on him. You know, like I figured he just hit his hand and it wasn't anything serious. And then, you know, the flood of information of Jerry, you know, speaking on it started came, coming out. And I heard Bucks fans going by like, Jerry just came out and said that his, like, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is really happening. He's really injured again. What does this mean for this team right now? And as we look at, like, the backup quarterback situation, I, don't, I know we're going to get into that later. This is, um, it just was very disheartening, I could tell. It was very deflating, uh, and it's also deflating. I feel like it's also deflating because just for Dak as the player, you have to empathize for the fact that he is, you know, come back from the injury he had before and now he's here again. So yeah. I was immediately taken aback like you guys were. Yeah. And my mind started processing where do we go from here? And I know we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, I was also at the game, and, uh, you know, my parents actually flew in for this game, oh. and they were not happy oh, to say no. it the very I know. They were not happy <laughs> to say it the very least. Uh, they flew in with uh, some of their friends who also – it was their first Cowboys game. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, we were all walking out, and my phone kind of started going off for the Blog and the Boys uh, channel that we have, and I saw Dak surgery. I just saw two words. Mm. Log on Twitter. I'm going through. I'm walking out, uh, bumping into people, just kind of central focused on my phone there. And, uh, yeah, I saw it. And everyone around me heard me telling my dad. So all the fans are, are asking just as we're walking out, um, you know, what what's going on? What happened? Is it bad? And it's like, I don't know. We don't really have a lot of information right now. I'm uh, just trying to get back to the car to to figure out what's going on so I can walk and, and not be holding up traffic or anything, right? But, you know, it, it was disheartening. And, and uh, I the last game that my family and I went to was the playoff game as well. So <laughs> I will say that walk so of shame felt very So your parents aren't allowed long. in the building anymore. I think I'm bad luck, too, because I hadn't, no, I hadn't come to any games in the last couple of years because I've been deployed. Yeah. I went to the Niners game. Came to this game. Yeah. So we're we're not getting you credentials. <laughs> yeah. Like your family I mean, and how you thing. are not allowed in the building. Here's the thing. That walk of shame after the 49ers game felt very long to the car. This felt this different. one felt ten times longer. Yeah. And the Bucks fans were actually being very nice as, yes. as we were walking to the car. Well, they they felt didn't bad. play a great game either. And we'll bad. get into that in a yeah. bit. Uh Kelsey, what was what yeah. was your thoughts uh as this is all sort of unraveling? Yeah, I mean, actually, my parents, too. You can hear my voice. Between the UC yeah. game and this game, <laughs> yep. I was not having a good time. So I lost my voice because I'm just – disheartening is the best way to describe mm -hmm. this weekend. And I'll, I'll, I actually took a little bit of uh, an issue with the way Jerry described it. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. And he mm -hmm. called it surprising, and I have to honestly disagree. But um, I, I – it was shocking. I do think it was shocking to see how bad it actually went down. Yeah. And I don't know what my deal is with having a kinship with the Dallas Cowboys quarterbacks, but I actually have had this same exact surgery that Dak has got today. Um, I didn't get I didn't get the plate, but I did get a pin in my right thumb. Oh. And what's crazy is that I <laughs> I was that kid in middle school who it was high school actually. I did it during dodgeball, so like we couldn't play oh. dodgeball the rest of the year. It was my fault, but it was like this small little injury that you just thought you kind of, you know, stubbed your finger and it turns out that it's actually way bigger than what you thought. 
and you have to get the surgery and you have to get a cast and it becomes like this whole issue. And I mean, now it's about a survival mode. Like how do you keep this boat afloat for the coming week so that the second half of the season, this team can actually be some semblance of a contender. I mean, if there's one, I mean, we'll talk silver linings, but at least this is happening in the NFC East and not another division. Kels, how long did your recovery take with the uh, similar surgery? It was about the six to eight week oh. mark. And, mm. and I, I honestly, like, it's the worst because you literally have to get a cast that goes to, like, the base of your forefingers, like, at the top of, like, it, it encompasses your hand. Your thumb is, like, all the way up. And then your cast almost goes down to your elbow. So it looks wow. like you, like, broke your forearm or something like that. And it's just, like, this big, bulky, annoying cast. And again, granted, this was 15 years ago, but still, like, it was, it was one of the most, painful and obnoxious injuries I've ever had and you're talking to a girl that has broken her back so it is just it it's it's so annoying and it really does interfere with your life and again we talked about this last week when we were talking about our concerns about Dak behind this line and you know expressing the the you know the whole shoe issue which turned out to potentially maybe be a little bit more and I'm going there (laughs) right like this quarterback this quarterback has some serious issues that he has dealt with injury-wise. And I am genuinely concerned not only just for this team to recover from those injuries, but also his personal mentality yeah. and how he recuperates moving forward. Yep. You know, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, you know, we, we discussed Cleatgate at, at, at length. That's what I've called it, Cleatgate last week uh, at length because it felt more severe than what they were telling. Mm-hmm. I, I just, having covered the you league as long as I that game. You did. Well, and it's not so much that I want to say, look, I'm I, I'm raising my hand to see I was right because it the, the ankle didn't feel limited at all yesterday, right? No, or, no. It, so that the, the ankle wasn't the issue. It's just they weren't as forthcoming with the information as I think a lot of us might have liked them to. It was more than just too tight of a cleat. And what I think- and I wish they had just stuck with the story and, and Jay Glazer is very close with Steven and Jerry yep. and Mike McCarthy. And so when Jay Glazer puts it out there He's getting it right from the source. And so yeah. when he said he felt like there was like a pop of some sort and they're like, oh, well, it's just a pop of the scar tissue. And that typically happens. Well, why didn't that happen last year? Um, you did get x-rays is what it sounds like. But what was more concerning to me is Melissa Stark, who does the broadcast. We work at NFL Network together. She had a conversation with him. He said, well, I don't know where Jay got it, but I felt like a, it, it, it kind of felt dead. And then it came alive again. Oh. And I got to be honest. I said, no, he didn't say that. Really? She's like, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how he described it. I'm like, I I hope to God that's not some nerve damage. That's interesting to me. And so even Melissa was confused by it and ultimately didn't go with it on TV because I think we both just sat there and said, I don't know what to make of that. So I honestly, heading into the game, was was nervous about the offensive line. Saw Connor McGovern go down. Uh, I You know, Farniok went in there and did a – as good a job as I guess as you're gonna do. Yes. Uh, but you could only you could only be serviceable for so long, and so I was literally keeping an eye on the ankle the whole game. But when this hand situation happened, we watched it when Shaq Barrett came across at him, and I honestly I thought I thought the same thing that Dak did. I thought, okay, he's just jammed it. Yeah. And so when we went in the locker room and I'm we're interviewing Ceedee Lamb, and I revealed a CD. No, he's out for a few weeks. He goes, oh well. That's uh, the first I'm hearing it. And Cooper Rush. So wow. a lot of these guys didn't have the full uh, complement of information. And then I, one of the 
the things that will stand out to me as I look over at Dak and, you know, I'm kind of whispering to him, like, sorry, like mouthing to him. He's kind of gripping the wrapped hand the whole time. And he's just looks like he's just in a daze, just like sort of staring out into space because I'm just thinking you, you guys are talking about mentality. If he felt some sort of weird pop last week with the ankle, you've got to be nervous about that if you've had surgery yeah. twice. Yep. Now you've got this hand situation. It's like you go into the season. Last year it was shoulder, calf, ankle, all of that stuff. And then now you're dealing with this. It, it, it does get start to get in your head when the injuries start stacking up. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's what I kept thinking of. And, and Kelsey, I know you're kind of alluding to it. I think the frustrating part for all of us is in camp. We had questions about the wide receivers, which we'll get into. We had questions right. about this offensive line. And we had questions about the depth of your quarterback room. And all of it is coming to bite you right now. Yeah. It's very reminiscent of, like, I'm just being honest, going to that 49ers game. All of the Cowboys' deficiencies were on full display. Yeah. Yep. There was no way to avoid it. You couldn't hide it. You saw the penalties. You saw the offensive line struggle. You saw literally the run defense struggle. You saw every single thing. And then you come <laughs> to this game, and you see the exact same situation. <laughs> yep. And there's no, like, what are we doing? And I understand, like, you said that Dak was just sitting in the daze. What does he have to feel like right now? I mean, there, there has to be something they can do that's better on this offensive line for him because that, I, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like we talk about it all the time. This quarterback is not. He's he's a top ten quarterback, mm -hmm. and we understand that offensive line is not something that comes, you know, just regularly. It's not a, it's not an easy thing to come come across, but you just would think that there would just be more of an urgency to take care of this gentleman. Um, given his story, given where, where he, what he's done to get to this point and what he's done for this organization. So I'm I'm just extremely frustrated for him and just this whole situation as a whole. And, and I think, and, one, and real quick, guys, I think the issue is now, given where we're at in the season. Tracking. I, I mean, already you're seeing Tampa's, they're going to obviously have issues now. Yeah. with their they've, they've got their offensive line woes <laughs> that they're dealing with. I mean, injuries are popping up. Tracking. Finding these guys out in the street. It's tough to find. You're not yeah. going to find a wide receiver right now. You You're not going to yeah. find a quarterback right now. Although Mike McCarthy and the presser said they had a list of available quarterbacks. Said he had a list of all the quarterbacks in the NFL in front of them. Right, but you're not going to go out. Hmm. The Eagles aren't going to give you Gardner Minshew. I don't think the 49ers are going to just be interested in necessarily trading no. Jimmy Garoppolo no. in within the division. Um, <laughs> is Josh McCallan around? Seriously, I, I, I'm dead serious on that. You, you, I pick up Ryan the phone Fitzpatrick. Right now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, you like your really, Amazon job? Honestly, if they're talking about keeping it in house, which it's typically yeah, what they that's, do, I, they're gonna do it. I understand the conversation of Cooper Rush and all of that good stuff, but if you want to not, <laughs> Mike McCarthy said they're not changing the playbook at all. But if you wanted to insert a gentleman that can maybe do some of the things that Dak does, wouldn't that be a Will Greer? Wouldn't that? Wouldn't he give you? Well, a what chance? was interesting is, guys, we were having a conversation in training camp that Will Greer, until he got injured, and so a lot of fans didn't get to see him in the preseason. Will Greer was pushing Cooper Rush. In camp. Yeah, he was. So it's so odd to me, and I and I and I get you know um, him being a veteran, you know Cooper Rush being a veteran, having snaps, but then you you just say to yourself like, I, that's what I'm looking at. If you want to compete, I think if they're trying to continue to compete, he gives them the best chance, and. I, that's just how I feel, especially with yeah. the offensive line. 
possibly like not being you know super super well put together you want a guy that's a little bit more mobile no and i you, just i think it, having covered this team the last couple of your guys i think that they're because i know dak is a huge fan of cooper rush track huge. and i yes. understand and, and so respect. i think because of their time together his knowledge of the playbook Cooper makes the most sense at this point, given the urgency of the situation. If this had happened in training camp, I think there would have been a competition uh, for that starting job. But I think at this point, um, it, it's Cooper's job unless yeah. there's somebody there. I mean, look, the Jason Peters thing, I had thrown out a couple of names before Jason got here. Uh, they got lucky because he's from East Texas. That's what I'm saying. Look, Josh and the McCallum brothers are right there in Jacksonville, Texas still, I believe. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Kelsey. I don't know. It's, I, it's, I just honestly, you guys, like, I feel like the thing Aisha that you just said, and I, I actually want to kind of dive into this for a quick second is we've heard this team tell us, you know, as people in the media, um, as, as, as people that are fans, several narratives that I think it's important for us to kind of have our eyes wide open as, you. you know, people that are ingesting this information. You heard last week about the quote non-injury or whatever it was with Dak. And then maybe you're hearing that something else is actually the truth. Mike McCarthy saying they're not changing the playbook. Like uh, that's, I honestly spare me with that, with that conversation whatsoever, because there's absolutely no way that you don't have to make adjustments mm. when you go from your franchise starting quarterback to a guy who, you know, honestly, he's had minimal starting opportunities in the league. Yep. You cannot tell me that any smart person who is looking at the lay of the land knows that that's impossible and you won absolutely on, impossible and you won on the road they keep bringing up the fact he had the one win in minneapolis and granted it was a huge win but you had amari cooper who remember yeah. was telling us give me the ball yeah. when, when cd wanted it it was like give me the ball and we're gonna get into the wide receiver conversation oh, after this please. break okay. uh <laughs> i don't okay. i've been already like telling you guys i don't know how i feel about that wide receiver room and cd yep. lamb being the 88 but the stats back it up the other day. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and just jump into a break real quick because I know we want to deep dive into this offense and, and how rough it was. Uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll get in the break. When we come back, let's talk about our confidence in this wide receiver room after having a lack of confidence in it heading into the season. This is the Girls Talk, Boys Talk podcast brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Little Sweet! Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little Sweet says head on home. Dr. Pepper's on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk. Here uh, at the Star in Frisco, I am your host of the NFL Network, Jane Slater, joined by Aisha Morrison, Jess Navarez, and I have got Kelsey Charles joining us remotely. All right, one of the questions that came up today of Stephen Jones on 105.3 The Fan was the lack of playing your starters in the preseason. Was that oh, an yeah. issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Stephen Jones who said that everything's going to be up for scrutiny. I asked Mike McCarthy that specifically, and he said he didn't necessarily think so because they opened up the game with a 14-play drive. It was 14 plays for 54 yards, uh, 558 there, and yes, they got three points on the board, and that was the last time <laughs> that scored. the Cowboys saw the scoreboard. scoreboard. There was a commitment <laughs> to the run, so I liked that. But then let's talk about the second drive for the Cowboys. Elliot gets you seven yards. Then what do we say on Friday? Death, taxes, and penalties for the Cowboys. Oh, uh, that yeah. was their first yep. penalty. They had a five-yard false start for the uh, penalty. You had two incompletes to Lamb and Schultz. Three plays for two yards. All right, then let's get into your third Cowboys drive to knock out your first quarter. Uh, Turpin brings it out 20 yards. Rico Dowdle gets the penalty for holding. That gives you 10 yards. You get Pollard for one. Schultz for five yards. Go three and out. That's 18 plays, three drives, 3.7 yards a play, 48 yards passing, 19 rushing. They were two for four in third down efficiency. Uh, time of possession, 8-16. The biggest thing that stood out to them today when – Mike McCarthy was asked about their deficiencies. Was there their issues on third downs? I think they were what three for fifteen. Yep. This is twenty percent. Yeah, they had this problem last year, and so I'll start with you, Aisha, because I love the fact that you're such a uh, a film junkie. We joked about this last week <laughs> that I needed to bring up the article, and I wish that I had. There was an article by Peter King talking about the Vic Fangio blueprint mm-hmm. and what he did to the Cowboys you can expect to see more teams do to them this year it was a fascinating article uh did you see that when you looked at the film <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I mean Tampa Bay really honestly they ran their base and they rushed four and then they dropped you know six seven guys into coverage and it kind of it was frustrating for me because last year I like I just was telling you guys I felt like that um, defenses were doing that to the Cowboys, and they were daring you to run the ball. They were daring the Cowboys to run the ball because they knew that the Cowboys couldn't run the ball. And, and well, they were daring them to pass the ball, and they couldn't run the ball. So it was a mixture of both. So now this year, you saw success in the run. I believe that Zeke averaged like five yards a carry. Like it was, it was success. Yeah. They were successful. Some of the schemes were successful uh, early in that game running the ball. But then 
there was no separation from the receivers. There was no, there was, um, you know, Dak was delivering the ball late. He was double clutching because he wasn't sure because those windows were so tight. There's the lack of a vet 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 <laughs> vertical threat on this team just completely demoralized them last year. It allowed it allowed Tampa's DBs to play down on everything. They were keying on everything. Even um, Mike McCarthy talked about today that they were biting on every route. Like, they knew – like, they were jumping every route. Like And when that happens, like the 49ers game, somebody been studying. Somebody know what you do well and what you don't do well. Right. What did they say in years past with Jason Garrett, how predictable the offense was, oh. that they would literally call yep. out yep. the play across the line of scrimmage? Yep. And the even more frustrating <laughs> thing yep. is that there were in, in the beginning of that game when the run was working, then you saw Kellen come in there and start doing some, like, Fancy I don't know, trick some, some trick play things that put you behind the chains. And when you start talking about the penalties – they did throw on um, first down a couple of times, but they were pretty successful when they were in those first few plays. Yeah. After that, after that penalty, they could not overcome the penalties. They could not overcome getting behind the chains. And when you don't have a vertical threat or when you have a guys that can stretch the field, that's what happens because – who, who who cares? I can play over the top of I can play over the top of everyone that you have right now. I don't have to respect what you're doing. And you could see on tape. I watched that game this morning. They had no respect for what our receivers brought to the table, to include CD Lamb. Well, and real quick, guys, I think the biggest the, the other thing that really stands out to me about this team is their inability to make halftime adjustments. Yes. When they came out yes. their first drive out of the <laughs> half, they went to Elliott twice. Uh, they get a penalty. Elliott again. Then you go to Pollard for a third and six, and then that's when Devin White sacks Dak, and you're pat and you're literally punting it away. And then when you look at the Bucks, they come out Fournette eleven yards, nine yards, seventeen yards. Mm -hmm. They just keep going at them, and so you had all of these power runs from uh, the Bucks, mm -hmm. and it, you got the sense that you know while the defense I thought did a great job for Dallas, and we'll get into that, the Cowboys just didn't have answers at the half. And I said having covered quite a few Tom Brady games. There was a Falcons game that, st that stood out to me about two mm -hmm. years ago. He put up more points in the third quarter than he did in the entire first half. He is so good at halftime adjustments. Yeah. And I just thought that was something that the Cowboys absolutely struggled with. Well, mm -hmm. and here's the thing, think, too. Is oh, sorry, Kelsey. We, yeah, sorry, Kels. We, I, I need to get this off my chest because last week, Jane, we, we laughed because I said, I'm the most confident that we're going to see penalties. Remember that? And <laughs> what did we do? It. But what That's ended up funny, killing wait. us like it did the last time we played Tampa Bay, but even worse this time because all we've heard all of this offseason was how the discipline issue is fixed and it's corrected, and that's not going to be an issue going forward. I'm sorry, but of course the Bucks aren't going to respect a team that's doing the exact same thing that they ruined their playoff game with last season in penalty, 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 127 penalties last season. And I'm sorry, but the amount of penalties during this game, I expected from the rookie players, the younger players, they were not all coming from them. And to me, it just showed the extreme lack of chemistry within the offense, and that's the scary part, is they couldn't establish a run. They ditched the run early. We see these fancy trick plays from Kellen Moore early on. <laughs> okay, if you're going to do that, do that, but keep doing it. You're, you're going back to the same thing that does not work. You're trying to force 
these passes and and I asked Jane earlier does does this fall on on Dak calling off the run or does this fall on Kellen Moore because at the end of the day if you establish that run Zeke was trying to bust for some holes if you mm -hmm. kept establishing him let's see he had 10 carries for 52 yards there is no reason Ezekiel Elliott should only touch that ball 10 times within that game absolutely no reason hey, oh, honestly just you, you you talked about respect and I think that's a really great point but here's the thing about respect is that it's earned. And yep. I do not know what this Dallas Cowboys team, and quite frankly, while we're talking about the team, this front <laughs> office has done to earn the respect of other teams in the league. I actually, you know, again, took issue with Vic Fangio <laughs> saying that they had the blueprint. But you know what? Maybe they do. And it really is a definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting results. Facts. I think David Hellman... One of my dear, dear friends, I know you guys are all familiar, yep, had a really yep. great point on his show the other day. And he talked about the fact that you go out and you pay your franchise quarterback, right? And then what are you doing to equip him with the weapon? Yep. It's not fair, and nor is it logical, if we're being frank, mm -hmm. to expect a guy to go out there, you pay him, and you're like, oh, I paid him so much. We could go all, all day and talk about how it, it's the markets work a certain way. Yeah, you're going to pay him a lot of money, but you got to give him the tools, you guys. Yep. You yep. got to give them the tools. Yep. The Chiefs, they went out and got Patrick Mahomes what he needed. What is yep. this front office doing besides not paying guys that could literally be starters on this offense, key impact players on the line as offensive weapons for this team? And they go, no, you know what? I'm going to go down down the street to the dollar store and expect Neiman Marcus results. It's, it's it's absolute insanity, and it makes no sense. I actually really love the analogy. Uh, I think the issue that I have, though, is Dak felt off in that game, too. And he I did. think, look, I'm a huge fan of Dak, and this is not uh, this is not trashing Dak. Oh, he didn't play well. But there were questions, yeah. even when I was looking at the 11 targets intended for CeeDee Lamb, and he only hauled in two of those. Uh, I think some of those were absolutely CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I watched the game. I did not watch back the All-22 this morning. But I just wanted – A, I, I, when I even asked CD and Dak, you know, how much extra work you – oh, every time we get a chance. But when you're not playing and you're putting more – emphasis on the joint practices versus live game. I yeah. just thought they needed preseason chemistry. I, that was my opinion on it. And then I would also mm -hmm. submit there are a lot of other quarterbacks in the league, Aaron Rodgers, who have done more with less. Right. Right. And so sure. I'm not sitting here knocking Dak necessarily. And I think you I mean, let's talk about the fact that Jalen Tolbert, who you picked up in the draft this year, wasn't even dressed out. Instead, you had um, Houston out of San Antonio, who an undrafted free agent. Who, who was like, out what? there. Yeah. Who got prime targets. He got Important targets, targets at that. He got I remember I was asked on uh, ESPN Radio when I was doing a hit last week, Dennis Houston, and I said, who? And then here's a guy that's stressing out over Jalen Tolbert. And so... Well, and you can yeah, tell I think Dak it, was trying to force the chemistry with him, and it just was not clicking after... And Man, again, I don't. But and again, I don't almost. know if that was because of the pressure that he was getting in his face. Sure. If it was the if the guy if the if their receivers were not in the right place. I know they started playing a lot of man coverage. It was a mixture of a lot of things. But yeah. I will I will say that I do think um, I used to be very mm, about preseason, but with it being so short, you mm -hmm. need at least one. Yeah, you see the Bills. <laughs> 
the even even like even though the Bucks didn't look super special yesterday with some of the things they did, Tom it played was, in a preseason he, game. He did play in a preseason game. I watched the preseason <laughs> game, <laughs> and baby, let me, t- let me tell you, it's so funny because we talk about the preseason. We say sh- we say they're not going to show you anything. They're not going to. I watched the preseason game of the Bucks, and a lot of what they did to us yesterday offensively was yep. pretty much the same. It's That's just establishing quick outs, that quick outs. They, I mean, obviously they got some play down the field, you know, uh, before Chris Godwin got hurt, they got a couple plays down the field. But prior to that, it's quick outs, quick release, quick. And not we, not a lot of quarterbacks can do what Tom does. Yeah. So it's difficult to replicate. But I, I do agree. Like pre, I'm at at that point where I do think that preseason is starting at least a game, at least a drive, something. But let's talk about that. Tom didn't have a great, great game yesterday either. Okay, he found the end zone once. You lost Chris Godwin, your wide receiver, in that game. Uh, I mean, with the exception of that absurd Julio Jones catch, Julio Jones had a day. They were trying to give you the game. Mike McCarthy even conceded that. It was like as much as you even tried to. San Francisco tried to give you the game in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I think my concern sometimes with this team is I'm told the work ethic's great. They're motivated. Remember last week as they've turned it up a notch. They're locked in. They don't feel – it's like you punch them in the face. There's no counter. And sometimes I worry that they don't get back up. It was the minute Tom scored in the end zone, I felt is when – that's when it felt like, – we're in the fourth quarter, 7.08 now, right after as we're watching it here in the studio – Right here is I, I, it started to feel like they felt like this game had just gotten away from them. Yeah, I, they weren't playing. Remember, you, you play through the whistle. I, I, I worry about this team sometimes. Well, go ahead. Jen. Something that I was going to say that how much of that falls on the discipline aspect that we have been mocking over and over and over because here's my thing, Terrence Steele. You have three penalties in a row, not one, which is bad enough, not two, which is even worse. You have three, and given, I get we don't really have other options. The Cowboys don't really have other options to put in there. I'm sorry. As as a fan, I don't want to see any more of him. Sit him for at least one series, make a statement, or take him out of the game. That is unacceptable for me to see a player have three penalties in a row and especially going into a game where the penalties were already hurting us the entire game. Mm -hmm. You look back and those penalties ended up being vital points in something that could have given the Cowboys momentum and they killed it every single time. And 10 penalties for 73 yards. Exactly. (laughs) And it's frustrating with Terrence Steele because like he has worked his tail off, but we, (laughs) he has worked his tail off, but they're just the accountability that has to be taken on this team. And it's not just for fans or anything. It's for each other. Because yeah. we're sitting here talking about this offense, and this defense held them to 19 points. It felt, I was, it felt like the Chiefs game, again, where you're, Micah does oh, all Lord. that he can. The defense comes out. The offense is inept. Where I remember, I think, uh, Coop and CD had COVID, if I'm not mistaken. They were out. Mm. And I remember the struggle, but seeing this defense just battle back, battle back. And so we, I look at the other side of the ball, and your defense was on the field so much that towards the end of the game, you start seeing them getting gassed out. There's yeah. some injuries that came up as well. And there's when you talk about camaraderie in a locker room and stuff like that, like they talk about playing for each other. I'm like, where where is that? Yeah, where is that I, right I, now, y'all? Because I didn't feel that at all yesterday. Go ahead, Kelsey. Sorry. No, accountability is a great way to describe it, though, yep. Aisha. Like, I love that you guys are saying that. And, Jess, like, I feel that mentality. You talk about, 
you want to sit a player. My whole concern, though, is that I really do feel like accountability needs to spread to the front office as well. Because when you talk about wanting to rotate someone out because they are not being disciplined enough and like a Terrence Steele, you may love that guy as a coach. You may think he's, quote, the right type of guy. But if he's not performing on the field and you need to make a switch – what puzzle pieces do you have to plug in besides so not many? Who? And whose fault <laughs> right, is that? Right, right. I mean, well. genuinely, whose fault is that? Because I just, I think it really does go back to, again, I don't feel like this team has done a good job of setting up these players or these coaches for success because you really do have limited resources. And I just think we have to, again, be accountable to that. And when I say we, not me, because I wasn't the one making the call, but, like, I think the front <laughs> office has to wear that mantle and understand that, like, you are the reason. Look yeah. in the mirror. Like, this is largely your doing. And, you know, it's interesting, too, is we heard from Terrence Steele in the locker room, and uh, we have that sound. Jazz, if you want to play that sound real quick so we can listen to it, that'd be good. Especially, you know, with me, uh, I had three, I think, pre-snap penalties it's unexcusable that's something we can't have you know coach puts a big emphasis on that so um that's definitely something i'm about to work on in the future for sure but we can't have that here's the thing why do we have to work on it now you should have been working on it every single person on this team should have been working on penalties after the 127 penalties i'm going to keep that number going all year and you're going to get so sick of hearing me say it that the penalties are going to be what kills us and they kill the momentum which i mean you see what you see what happens exactly what you were talking about jane that fourth quarter absolutely no momentum Mm -mm. no motivation no accountability nothing from the cowboys that said hey we're even going to try to push to just get in the end zone being the only team in the nfl on sunday that played given we haven't seen any monday night games to not make a touchdown unacceptable (sighs) i think what stands out to me too though is when you talk about mike puts such an emphasis on it if i screw up in my job right (laughs) On Sundays, so like we do game days, and it's 40-second hits. If I go 43, 45, they truck it. It's, it sounds dumb, but it's that's three that's three seconds, then mm-hmm. five seconds, then ten seconds that I've taken away from our studio analysts. They'll bench us. Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't get to do game day the following week, and I've yeah. seen them do it to reporters. There are, there are consequences mm-hmm. when you don't meet expectations that we have for our show. What are the consequences when – these guys aren't living up to the standard that is we have to min- – because the field possessions – the field position is important. I was going to talk about that as When well. you have these penalties that are costing you field positions yep. and you're, you're going three and out mm-hmm. or it's a second and 16 or a second and 20, that's, that's why the penalties are a big deal. And, again, coming off of last year, and, and Mike is – I'll never forget. It was before the Broncos game. Mike said it was a point of emphasis, something we worked on. I think that was one of one of their most heavily penalized games. Was it not the Broncos last year? It was a, it was a yes. rough one, and, and so, the Raiders game. Let's not forget I, that one. Tater I feel tats. like Mike has done a sort of a good job of endearing himself to this team. He's almost become like uh, the players' coach, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's given them some of the off days. We're going to cut practice earlier. We're, we're focusing on the bodies. We're not going to play your body in preseason. Players love that, right? Because it allows their bodies. The you're not putting so much tread on their tires. Is that a good thing, though? 
I, I think it is if they're being productive. Yeah. If, if you're working on the things that need to be worked on, you're not giving me seven penalties in a game. You're not giving me how many yardage in penalties, Jane? Uh, when you're doing those things, sure, take your off day. Until then, absolutely not. There's too much work that needs to be done. There is way, way too many mistakes that were made. Uh, I mean, man, going through those locker room sound bites, you had Zeke saying, hey, we need to clean up penalties, clean up protection. You had Tyler Smith saying, hey, we had uh, flags and missed opportunities. You had Dalton Schultz talking about too many penalties. You had every, almost every single player in those post-game interviews in the locker room saying penalties, penalties, penalties. Why are we still talking about penalties? I'm so sick of hearing the word penalties and Dallas Cowboys in the same sentence. <sighs> I, Honestly, though, like, I feel like this, like, I keep saying this. I, I look at a guy like a Terrence Steele, and I know this this coaching staff loves him, but it, it was not that long ago, you guys, and by not that long ago, I mean last season, when we're <laughs> sitting here saying, this man has not been set up for success. He's an undrafted free agent out of Texas Tech. He literally, I, I, the, the commentary about the Terrence Steele experiment needs to be over. They right? love him, like, though. They love it. When I was at Combine, listening yes. to Mike McCarthy and this staff talk about their love of Terrence Steele was the most fascinating conversation. His like, is it agent, realistic? His agent is Eric Burkhart, who also represents Kyler Murray. He, Eric kept telling me, they love him. He's, I, I'm like, I, I, there's a lot of people that I like that aren't great at their jobs, Kelsey. I work with Correct. a lot of people in this business that are very likable, but I don't think they're particularly good at their jobs. Yeah. Both can be the same. Both can, both can be right. Right. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we've harped enough on the deficiencies of this team. How about we give them some silver linings? We've got five minutes left in the show. Let's quickly go to a break. Uh, that's how much time we need to go over the silver linings. Not a lot of time. <laughs> the Girls Talk Boys Talk podcast brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be right back. Little Sweet! Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little Sweet says head on home. Yeah. Dr. Pepper is on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? Have you been treating it well? Has it been going places? If not, then it's about time you start using SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best way to get your butt tickets to live events. Just ask the thousands of other butts who have rated it the number one ticketing app. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now or visit SeatGeek.com to get tickets to sports, concerts, and live events and make your butt happy. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. 
Here's to the Cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk. Uh, we are live here from the star breaking down an absolutely catastrophic <laughs> day at AT&T Stadium, or night rather. It was a long one for me, guys. I got there at 6.45 in the morning, did all the pregame coverage, had to go that. back, hmm. cover uh, this game, and then the postgame, which was just uh, brutal. Just an you, absolute Jane. mess. I love John Mashota saying that 25.1 million viewers got to watch that one. Largest audience for NBC Sunday Night Over since 2015. Oh, right? I loved that Romo was trending too on Twitter today. <laughs> Guys, I know he hasn't oh, turned in his retirement man. papers, but knock it off. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, silver linings. Let's do the silver lining playbook here, guys. Uh, the silver lining for me was Brett Maher. Oh, okay. Kicking was not an issue in this year's opener. We are scraping the barrel. Brett Maher <laughs> putting three points on the board. Can you imagine if he didn't and they were shut out of this one? All right, Aisha. I'm sorry, y'all. Your silver lining. My silver lining, uh, tater tots. <laughs> with the, you had a good tweet about that. With, yeah, there you go. With McGovern going down. You do got some insurance and Jason Peters. There you go. Who, by the way, we were asked, uh, we asked Mike McCarthy about that, and he said that he is still up in the ramp up phase. Yes, I heard that. But Can we'll you see accelerate coming down that that, said, that ramp? We'll see this week. Can I? I yeah. Just, okay, go ahead. Silver lining for me. I'm gonna go with the obvious. Micah Parsons. Mm. He showed up. He was ready to uh, give Tom Brady the point of view of a lion attack, if you will, and um, uh, he really. I th- I think his his first the first half of the game was better for him, um, and you know to be quite honest I don't blame him for the second half of not getting another sack at that point really who was doing much, um, but Micah Parsons mm-hmm. you you have to love that guy you have to root for him and he really he showed Tom Brady what was that SpongeBob meme or the quote where he's like. We want more of this old man. Like he was ready to go, and he was disrespecting <laughs> his elders. You just love to see it, Kelsey. Uh, um, I love the Micah Parsons one. That was one of my lists too. Uh, his two sacks actually marked his fourth career multi-sack game, which I think is great. He's actually the only player in Cowboys history for with four multi-sack games in his first two seasons, uh, beating Demarcus Ware. So we'll take that as a silver lining. I like that. Dalton uh, yeah. Schultz. That was yeah. gonna be a key for the game for me, and he did nothing less than follow through with his promises and continue to step up for this team. So he uh, was a big silver lining to me, a little victory, if you will. Why? I'm sure we'll talk some more this week, but um, yeah. Kelsey, why? Honestly, I just, for me, I really respect how Dalton has been able to, he's kind of like, he's just kind of been like the safety net. And that's saying a lot for a guy that has, had had minimal expectations coming onto this team. You didn't expect him to be a key part of this offense. Blake Jarwin goes down. He becomes one of your lead receivers. He's learning more so about being a better, like, 
in, in past protection. Like, I appreciate what he's been able to do for us. And again, yesterday too, let's face it, guys, our wide receivers, what wide receivers? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a little, it's a little abysmal right now. And Dalton Schultz has consistently been the whoopee. And I, I respect that. And he's going to continue to be the whoopee because Cooper Rush, is going to need a big target to help him get through these couple games. He was just he needed, a clutch guy. He needed yesterday. to be a bigger whoopee last night. A whoopee? I still have my whoopee. I kept it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what a whoopee <laughs> is. Am All I right. the only one that doesn't know what a whoopee is, guys? Oh, you can sorry. tell I'm just it's disgusted talking name. about this team today, y'all. I'm like, literally, I'm just like, can we get can we get done with the show? Because that's how I feel about it. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you guys are fine. Uh, people are like, where's the optimism, Jane? I'm sorry. Uh, it's just, I. Uh, it's, it's been just, a rough. I've covered this. This will be now my 10th season. It's just, it's all the same. Okay, Cowboy <laughs> safety, J. Uh, Ron Curse. I know people are, are uh, curious about injury updates. Yeah. He, uh, that knee is going to give him a problem. Looks like he's out. We'll see how long that is. Left guard, Connor McGovern, the ankle. He told me in the locker room he was in a boot. He said they were uh, looking for uh, more x-rays to confirm how long it's going to be. It seems like it was the same one that gave him problems last time. Interesting. Stephen Jones said today about a month, month and a half. Uh, and we're still waiting on Terrell Basham news. Mike McCarthy didn't have an update on him. That looked painful. It looked very serious. Yeah. I was, as he was coming off I the field. Uh, so as we wrap up the show, Mike McCarthy said that the mantra this year is resilience. Told the fans, stick to the journey. Keep believing in us. We need to perform better. Nice. I need to perform better. I will perform better on Wednesday after I've had a night of sleep. And we can look forward uh, to the Bengals game, which saw an epic collapse of their own uh, last weekend against the Steelers. But, guys, for all of you who have tuned in and listened, we look forward to uh, chatting with you tomorrow. And I will not be on the show. Kelsey Charles will be leading the charge. Hey, yo. Hey. Yo. hey. Sounds good. We'll miss you, Jane. I won't. I'll be asleep. For one whole day. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!